This past week, the first official college football playoffs came, uh, playoff rankings were revealed. Many of you are thinking, who cares? And I understand, but stick with me for just a moment. Uh, this year, just like every year, with the exception of one or two teams, the top spots went to the same usual suspects. And it caused you to question, how is that? Why is it that year after year, the same college football program always appear at the top of the football rankings? The quick and obvious answer is players. Those programs simply have the best players, and there is some truth to that. But I tend to agree with radio talk show personality Colin Coward's observation. He said when it comes to the college level, it all comes down to the best coaches. The best coaches are able to recruit the best players because the best players want to play for those coaches who can help them get better. Coaches who can help them reach the next level. Natural talent will take you so far, but to be an elite athlete, you need great coaching. What's true in athletics is also true in life. For us to reach our full potential, we need to be coached up. That's what we're going to talk about for a few moments this morning, but first I want to quickly bring up to speed those of you who are joining us for the very first time. That describes you, whether you're watching online or here in the audience. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We're honored by your presence. For the past several weeks, we've been involved in a sermon series entitled, We Are Family. The primary purpose of this series is to look at what Scripture has to say to us about how we are to relate to and treat one another in the church, which is the family of God. We kicked off this series by looking at the command that really sums up all the other one another commands because that's what this series is about we're looking at those passages of scripture that are commonly referred to as the one another's and so that that one another that sums up all the other other one another's is this command it is the command to love one another now the challenge at the end of week one was to what it was to pray memorize and live 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. And for the past several weeks, I've been asking, has anybody memorized that passage of Scripture? And with the exception of Bob Ruszewski, I have gotten nothing blank stares in return. So I was becoming very impressed. I'm not going to do that today. Instead, I want to invite you to stand with me for just a moment. And we're just going to read this text together this morning, all right? Yeah, there we go. Say it with me. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. How about one more time? May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Don't give up on memorizing it, though, okay? Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul mentions another practical way for us to love one another. Paul essentially says this, coach each other up. Okay, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's the gist of what he's getting at when we read in that text that we are to admonish one another. 
The word in the original language that is translated admonish, it carries this idea of to instruct or correct one another. And that's what great coaches do, isn't it? They correct the bad habits of their players and they teach them how to do things in the right way. And really, that's what we should be about when it comes to relating to one another and how we interact with each other. We need to coach each other up. Listen, all of us have certain attitudes and behaviors that need to be challenged, corrected, and or developed. The problem is, for most of us, these are blind spots. We don't recognize them, we don't see them, and unfortunately, too often it takes a moment of colossal failure before we begin to recognize, let alone admit, to these areas of our lives that are underdeveloped. In the family of God, we need to care about each other enough that we're willing to step in and help one another recognize and begin to address these problems, attitudes, and behaviors until they actually blow up on us. We need to care about each other enough to coach each other up. So does that mean just anyone can go around pointing out the areas in other people's lives that need to be corrected or changed? Well, yes, anybody can, but that doesn't mean they should. So the type of person that is best qualified to coach others up is described by Paul in Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. Listen carefully to what Paul writes. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. What was it that convinced Paul that the believers in Rome were competent to admonish or instruct one another? Well, first he says they were full of goodness. Now, does that mean that they were perfect? Of course not. These people were not perfect. But what that word indicates is this is that these individuals took their spiritual development seriously and there were signs of transformation in their own lives. If I'm not growing in my walk with Jesus Christ, that I'm really not in position to instruct you or tell you how to grow in yours. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have insight to share. I probably do. But what I'm lacking at that point is credibility. For instance, if a guy who is known for blowing up at his wife and kids every time they maybe don't meet his expectation or things don't go his way, expresses to me his concern about my temper, how likely do you think I am to take him seriously? Not very. Now, that may show a sign of immaturity on my part but it's hard to take the advice of another person who doesn't take their own now on the flip side what about the guy who at one time was known for flying off the handle but but now he rarely does I'm far more likely to listen to that individual because I know that he's at a place that I am or had been at a place that I am right now but now he's at a place that deep down I truly desire to be And so he's got credibility. I want to listen to him. 
doesn't mean he was perfect all the time, but it means that he was open to instruction. The Holy Spirit worked on his life. He's made some progress so that he speaks to me. I'm much more likely to listen to that. You see, if we're going to coach one another up, we need to take seriously the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3 through 5. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brothers, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Not only did the Roman Christians behave well, but their motivation was right or good. That word that's translated goodness it also indicates that there is a genuine concern for the welfare of another person. Before we set out to correct or instruct another individual, then we need to take a moment to examine why we feel the need or desire to do so. If my desire is to embarrass or shame or to manipulate or one-up the other person, I'm going to end up doing more damage than good. And in all likelihood, that person is going to respond to my admonishment by becoming defensive or angry or maybe despondent. For people to hear our concerns, they need to be able to trust that we are motivated by a desire to see them flourish. And that's why it's so important that we build genuine relationships with one another before we actually begin to try to correct or instruct or admonish one another, before we decide to attempt to coach each other up. We need those relationships. But having said that, sometimes it's necessary to admonish a person we don't know very well, right? And when that is the case, it's doubly important Doubly important that we practice the counsel of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. On occasion, I've heard a person make a statement like this, I'm all about the truth. I'm just going to tell people what they need to hear, whether they want to hear it or not, because that's the truth. And truth is important, but sometimes it's not the message that keeps a person from changing. It's the messenger. Truth can be on your side, but if you're an insensitive jerk, your audience, be it your kids, or your spouse, fellow church members are probably not going to respond as you hope. On the flip side, have you ever heard an athlete say something like this about a coach? I would run through a brick wall for that guy or for that woman. Why did they say that? Did they say that because their coach has all kinds of truth? No, they say that because that coach has proved to them over and over that he or she genuinely cares for that athlete. And so they're willing to do that. See, admonishment will do very little good unless we are good. Unless we live good lives and genuinely care about other people. That's what's necessary to coach each other up. 
Now, Paul gives a second reason that these individuals were really in the right position to instruct or correct other people, why he felt like they were competent to do that. And he says this, he says they are full of knowledge. They're full of knowledge. And and Paul's indicating there that these individuals knew the word of God. They knew God's truth. That's so important because admonishment must be based on God's truth, not my personal opinion or my personal preferences or desires. You see, when I feel the desire to correct another person based on my preferences and desires or opinions, it's because deep down I want that person to become more like me. And that's not the goal, is it? The last thing this world needs is a whole bunch of little mini-shawns running around. Don't need that. Nor does the world need a lot of mini-yous running around either. Our goal must be to help form people, shape people into the image of Jesus Christ. And that means that we need to know what Jesus taught and we need to know how Jesus lived. For 15 plus years, I watched at least one of my boys compete on the ball field. In those years, I watched a lot of coaches who had enough knowledge to tell what a, an athlete what he or she was doing wrong, but I found very few coaches who actually had enough knowledge to help that athlete get better. I, I cannot tell you how many times I listened to a coach yell at a struggling pitcher this sage advice, just throw strikes. That infuriated my boys when they were on the mound. I remember one particular time getting in the car after a game like that, and I was driving Turner home, and he was just processing, and he finally looked at me, and he said, Dad, he said, whenever the coach yells that at me, I just want to yell back out, Coach, really? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing out here? Who knew? (laughs) Thanks for the tip, genius. You see, when my son was struggling, he didn't need a coach to yell at him the obvious. He needed somebody who could tell him what he, point out to him what he could not see. He needed a coach to say, hey, listen, Turner, your arm slot has fallen a little bit too low. You're not driving off your back leg. You're opening up your front side too quick. Something like that. The point is, We don't need people to point out to us what to do or not to do in most circumstances. Deep down, most of us already know. What we need is somebody with a biblical insight who can come alongside of us and tell us how to change. A person who's struggling with worry, they don't need you to tell them, don't worry. They know that shouldn't worry they need somebody with enough biblical insight to come along and tell them why they shouldn't worry why they can trust in the providence and provision of God how they've seen God be faithful person who's struggling with money management doesn't need somebody to show up and say you know what you shouldn't spend more money than you make they kind of know that (laughs) they know that's why they're in trouble They need somebody with biblical insight that can share with them biblical principles for money management. 
Folks, we're going to have a very difficult time helping one another grow if we're not filled with the knowledge of God's word. So if you're looking for motivation to be a daily Bible reader, this is it. You don't read scripture every day just so you can get a checklist on your list of to-do items, right? It's for this reason. It's said that the Holy Spirit has something to draw upon when you're given the opportunity to speak into the life of another person who needs to be coached up. That's why we read scripture, to make a difference in the lives of others. Like the believers in Rome, we must be competent to instruct one another, but for our own development, we also need to be open to instruction. This is not easy. No one likes to have their weaknesses pointed out. The natural tendency is to be defensive, to feel shame, to get angry. But it's so important that we learn to see instruction not as rejection, but actually as care. I realize there may be an exception to this, what I'm about to say, but by and large, those individuals who take the time to admonish you, instruct you, correct you, they do so because they genuinely care about you. There's huge risk in doing so. If a person comes to me and says, Sean, there's just something that I see in your life that I'm concerned about, I'd like to talk to you about that, that person's taking a huge risk. They're risking that I may get really upset. Risking that I may be so offended that I cut off relationship. But that person most of the time is willing to do that because they care enough about me to say, but I'll, I'll take this I want a better place as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know who doesn't care about you? It's the person who talks about you, but they don't talk to you. That's the person that doesn't really care about you. Now, they may be saving you from a very difficult, awkward conversation by not saying anything to you, but in the long run, they're doing you absolutely zero good. So how should we respond or how should we receive admonition? Well, first, we must be open to admonition regardless of who it comes from. Open to admonition regardless of who it comes from. One time, God used a donkey to admonish Balaam. And he continues to do the same at times today. Okay, not literally a donkey, right? But you you get my points. And just because the person who is instructing you or correcting you may be an insensitive jerk or may not have her stuff together, that does not mean that what she's saying is not true. And so be open to it. Too often we allow our sensitivity and our pride to get in the way, and as a result, we miss out on the potential of a huge blessing. I love what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. You have the opportunity to grow. You have the opportunity to prosper, he says, if you'll just be open to instruction. Even if it's coming from a source you didn't anticipate or a source that you necessarily like. And the writer of Proverbs goes on to say in chapter 19, This is one of the absolute keys to becoming a wise person in life. 
Proverbs 19, verse 20, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Second, Scripture must be our final authority. Scripture must be our final authority. Not all coaching is good coaching. Sometimes people give you advice that in the long run will do you more harm than actual good. One of the piece of advice that comes to my mind that you hear a lot of times is this. Do whatever makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. That sounds good, right? Sounds like really good advice. It's not that great of advice. It's really not. So even if the person that's giving you advice, you hold in high regard, you respect them a lot, still take the time to make sure that the advice that they are giving aligns with God's word because in God's word is where you find truth listen to these beautiful words in Psalm 119 verse 159 160 see how I love your precepts preserve my life Lord in accordance with your love all your words are true your righteous laws are eternal now let me add that even if the person's using scripture you still need to make sure that the person is using scripture correctly. One of the evil one's favorite tactics is to take a little bit of scripture and just twist it enough so it leads you down a path that inevitably does you harm. So you need to make sure that scripture is being used in the right way. Now, if scripture, or if the advice goes against scripture, what do we do with it? Reject it, right? Okay, so if it doesn't align with Scripture, we reject it. If the advice is neutral, Scripture really doesn't say anything about it, then guess what? It's up to you. It's up to you. You can accept the advice. Hey, that's pretty good advice. I'll take it. Or you can say, I not really agree with it, and you can move on down the road. Completely up to you. Some of you would admonish me to preach shorter sermons. Okay? <laughs> So when I open up the Word of God and I say, what does the Word of God say about preaching? It says, preach the Word. It doesn't really say how long. So it's up to me. So I would say to you, bring a snack. Okay? <laughs> I hate these masks because you can't see me smiling. I'm just messing around, right? I want to make sure you know that. I know you need less of me than more of me, that's for sure. So finally... We must act on valid instruction. We must act on valid instruction. Athletes do not become great athletes because they have good coaching. Greatness is the result of athletes putting that coaching into practice. The same is true when it comes to life change. Now, if you're not sure what to do with advice that's given you, ask the person for some practical steps of what to do next. A few years ago, a friend of mine came to me and he said this, he said, Sean, I really think you could benefit by just spending more time resting in the Lord. He could sense that I was emotionally depleted and he thought that would be the best thing for me. I knew this was coming from a place of genuine concern. I knew my friend cared about me. I also knew that his counsel definitely aligned with scripture, but I really wasn't sure what to do with it. So I said, okay, I, I appreciate that counsel, but I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I said, what, what would you suggest? 
And he said this. He said, well, here's what I'd suggest. Spend less time in the evening vegging in front of TV and take at least 30 minutes before you go to bed and practice contemplative prayer. Empty your mind. Be still and see what God may want to speak into your heart and your life. It's exactly what I needed. I needed somebody to tell me what to do next because I was at a loss. What you're going to find is most people who are willing to give you correction, instruction, and admonishment, they're willing to walk with you in it. If you'll just ask them, what should I do next? Now, yes, every once in a while, there's that person in life who loves to just give out advice. They just kind of, it's like drive-by, right? They drive, blurt out advice, and they're on down the road to the next person. If you're one of those people, please stop it. (laughs) But most people, most people, if you'll ask them, what do I do next? They'll be happy to share with you some practical advice. Now, here's the issue for most of us. We allow pride and embarrassment to get in the way of us asking for additional help. There was a part of me when he said that to me, Sean, you need to rest more on the Lord. There was a part of me, just let it go, because I was really embarrassed that I didn't know exactly what to do next. There's a part of me that said, you know what, he's going to think less of me if I don't know what to do without advice. Don't pride and embarrassment get in the way because it will keep you from an additional blessing. The coaching's in today. It's in. And people recognize to get better at work, and life, and athletics, anything, that they need somebody to point out their blind spots. Just me personally, I've been working with a coach and ministry alongside of me just to say hey I think maybe if you do this this might be better if you're in your preaching or I think if you did this in your leadership it might be better and he's pointing out blind spots that I can't see it's made a huge difference I hope anyway has to me personally but here's what I'm finding is when it comes to spiritual growth and development most of us have a tendency to want to go it alone it just doesn't work very well It's not the way it should be in the family of God. And so my challenge for you this week is simply this, is to find another Jesus follower who cares about you. It may be a a spouse, it may be a parent, it may be a good friend, but somebody who's following Jesus who cares about you and simply ask them, what advice would you give me to grow as a disciple of Jesus. In other words, give them permission to coach you up. Now, if you listen, if you don't get defensive and angry, and if you put that into action, I am absolutely confident that six months from now, you will be very, very thankful that you did.